0: If he called them gods to whom the word of God came and scripture cannot be broken, do you say of him whom the father consecrated and sent into the world, you are blaspheming because I said I am the son of God? If I am not doing the works of my father, then do not believe me. But if I do them, even though you do not believe me, believe the works that you may know and understand that the father is in me and I in the Father. Again they sought to arrest him, but he escaped from their hands. He went away again across the Jordan to the place where John had been baptizing at first, and there he remained. And many came to him, and they said, John did no sign, but everything that John said about this man was true, and many believed in him there. This is the word of the Lord. So we're returning this morning to our series in John's Gospel, and we're returning to John chapter 10. And John 10 is a well-known chapter in the Gospel. It's the chapter where Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. And in the history of Christian art, and especially in the earliest examples of Christian art that we have in the catacombs, Jesus is often represented as the good shepherd, Now, as you read through the Old Testament and you read through the Psalms and the prophets, Psalm 23 is well known, the Lord is my shepherd. And the prophets promised a day and God promised a day when he himself would one day shepherd his people. That the Lord himself would come and shepherd his people. And that's in the background in this chapter where Jesus stands up and says, I am the good shepherd. He's announcing the day has come. The time when the Lord himself will shepherd his people is here. And we see in John's gospel this wonderful presentation of Christ as the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, but also the good shepherd who lays down his life for the sheep. And we're going to consider the second half of John chapter 10 this morning. And here we see a confrontation between Jesus and the religious leaders in Jerusalem. John tells us it was the Feast of Dedication. Jesus was walking through the temple. And we're told here that the Jews gathered around him. They encircled him. This was an act of intimidation. They ganged up on him. And they asked him this question. How long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Christ, tell us plainly. Now listen to Jesus' answer. I told you, and you do not believe. You've heard my word. I told you, and you do not believe. And then he says, The works that I do in my Father's name bear witness about me. You have heard my word, and you do not believe. You have seen my works, which bear witness about me, and you do not believe. And then he explains why they do not believe. You do not believe because you are not among my sheep. Now as we consider this second half of John chapter 10, I want us to consider what Jesus has said here. Believe, you saw my works, and you did not believe. Now the implication is, those who are his sheep, those who do believe, are those who hear his word and believe, and those who see his works and believe. And so I want us to consider this second half of John 10 under those two headings. Hearing the word and seeing the works. Along to the good shepherd, the sheep hear his word, they hear his voice, and hearing his voice, they follow him. And then in verses 31 to 39, we see that, and believe his works, and those who believe his works grow in knowledge and understanding. So let's begin then with hearing his word, those who and they follow him. Now, we need to pay particular attention to what Jesus says in verse 26. And we need to hear what he says there and how he says it. He says to the religious leaders that are rejecting him, you do not believe because you are not among my sheep. Now, notice how he has said that. You do not believe because you are not among my sheep. Now, we might expect him to say, you are not among my sheep because you do not believe. But that's not what he says. He says, you do not believe because you are not among my sheep. Now, Jesus says something similar to his disciples later in the gospel in John chapter 15. You did not choose me. I chose you. Only those who are among his sheep believe. And the fact that each one of us here, I hope, I pray, believes in the Son is because we are among his sheep. And faith, therefore, is the evidence of our election. It's the evidence that we belong to the flock of the Lord. So here our Lord tells us that our faith, our trust, the fact that we believe is a gift. It's a work of the Spirit. We believe because the Father draws us to the Son. We wouldn't be drawn to the Son on our own. We believe because God's Spirit has given us eyes to see him, has given us ears to hear his voice, has given us a new heart that we turn to Christ in repentance and follow him in obedience and faith. We believe because we are his sheep. Now notice the marks of faith in verse 27. Jesus says, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. He says three things about believers. Believers hear his voice. Believers are known. I know them. And thirdly, they follow me. So first, my sheep hear my voice. Now, on the one hand, we're reminded here that we need to always be listening For the voice of Christ. Listening to the voice of Christ. His voice should be familiar to us. And we're living in a time where we hear so many voices. There's so many voices outside the church. That are telling us all kinds of things. How to live our lives. How to interpret our circumstances. And there's all kinds of voices even inside the church. But the sheep hear my voice. They listen to my voice. And we need to be familiar with his voice that's why every day we are in the word of God. We're listening to his voice. That's why we come here Sunday by Sunday, because we're listening to his voice. We hear his voice. So yes, we're reminded. We should be familiar with his voice, but this is a promise. What Jesus is saying is, my sheep hear my voice. They will hear my voice. They do hear my voice. And so that, this should give us assurance. This should give us confidence. We will hear his voice. And you may be even in a time in your life right now where you're you're listening for the voice of Christ and you feel that his voice is distant, but know that you will hear his voice. My sheep hear my voice. And then he says, I know them. Now this is a precious statement. I know them. He knows you. He knows you better than you know yourself. I know my sheep. And he knows us because he's always with us. He always sees us. He has an intimate knowledge of us. And as I was reflecting on this statement, I was reminded of what Job says in Job 23. And I just want to read a few verses from Job 23. So Job 23, starting at verse 8. Here Job is lamenting. Behold, I go forward, but he is not there. And backward, but I do not perceive him. On the left hand, when he is working, and I do not behold him, he turns to the right hand, but I do not see him. This is this is a time in Job's life where he says, "I, "I look forward and I don't see the Lord. I look behind me, I don't see him there. I look to my left, I look to my right, I don't see him working. Where is he?" And there are times in our life where we wonder, "Where is the Lord in this? I don't see him working in this." There are times where. We don't hear his voice clearly, and we're searching. But then listen to what Job says in the very next verse. But he knows the way that I take. When he has tried me, I shall come out as gold. So Job says, I'm looking everywhere for him, and I don't see his work around me. I don't perceive it. But he says, I know... He, He knows the way that I take. I may not see where he's working, but I know that he sees me. He knows the way that I take. And it's a reminder for each one of us, there may be times where we don't see the good shepherd, but know that he sees you. He has not lost sight of you. He knows the way that I take. Now, why is Job so confident about this? Well, he goes on to say this. My foot has held fast to his steps. I have kept his way and have not turned aside. I have not departed from the commandment of his lips. I have have treasured the words of his mouth more than my portion of food. He's saying, even though I couldn't clearly see where God was working around me in my circumstances, my feet held fast to his word. I listened to his voice, the voice of his command. I listened to his voice, the word from his lips. Job was confident that the Lord knew his way and was watching him because he was abiding in in his word. He was following his footsteps. And even at, at times where we don't obviously see how is God working in this situation, I don't see God in this situation, we always have his word with us. And therefore, we always have his voice. We always hear his voice, my sheep. Hear my voice. And as we come to God's word day by day, we know that he knows us. And then it says, my sheep follow me. Our faith, our belief in the good shepherd is not simply an intellectual assent. It's not that we've read some books of theology or we've studied a confession of faith and we say, yeah, I agree with that. We confess the Nicene Creed Sunday by Sunday. It's worthy of our recitation on a Sunday. But faith is not just simply, yes, I agree with what the Nicene Creed says. Faith is a trust and an obedience to the voice of the Good Shepherd. It means following. And notice what he says here. My sheep follow me. We follow him. We don't just follow a set of rules, we don't just follow a certain philosophy, we don't just follow a certain political perspective, we follow him. It's him. Now, he does give us promises, he does speak commandments into our lives. And so we do follow his rules, we do follow his commandments, but we do so because they're his commandments, they're his. And we recognize in his commandments, that's his voice. And so we follow him. And how can we not delight in his commandments, knowing that they're his, they're his commandments. And in keeping his word, we follow him. And how can we not but rest in confidence when we hear his promises? Because they're his promises. And so here we see the distinguishing marks of the sheep, of those who believe. My sheep hear my voice. I know them, and they follow me. Now look at verses 28 to 30. Here we see the blessing that he confers on believers. And this is why we trust and why we can continue to trust in him. He says, I give them eternal life, and they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all. And no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. I and the Father are one. Now first he says, I give them eternal life and they will never perish. He gives us eternal life. Now just think of what that means. Eternal life. And think of the certainty of that statement. He gives us eternal life. Think of the simplicity of that statement. He gives us eternal life. Now our Lord doesn't say, I give them the possibility of eternal life. I give them the potential of eternal life. I give them eternal life, but they may at some point lose it. I give them eternal life, but it may at some point come to an end. If it may come to an end at some point, or if it may be lost, it's not eternal life. And he doesn't say, I give them the possibility of eternal life. He simply says... I give them eternal life. Now he's the one that gives it to us. I give them eternal life. And we've already heard in John chapter 5 that the life that the Son gives us is the life that he himself has from the Father. That's eternal life. That's the life that he gives us. The very life that he shares with the Father. It's the very life that... Of the triune God. That is the life that he gives us. That is the eternal life. That he gives us. And then he adds. Of course. Having given us the eternal life. We will never perish. They will never perish. They will never be lost. Our Lord will never lose sight of you. There's no possibility that we will be disinherited. There's no possibility that as his sheep, we might wander and fall off a cliff somewhere. They will never perish. Nothing can separate us from the love and the life of God. Now the reason we know that we will never perish is because what he says next, no one will snatch them out of my hand. Now think of the hand of our Lord, the hand of the Son of God. It was the same hand that was nailed and fastened to the cross. It's the same hand that the prophet Isaiah says, I have written you written you upon my on the palms of my hand. Your name is written on my hand. The same hand that was pierced for your transgressions, the same hand on which your name is written is the hand that has a hold of you right now. Now the reason that he has a hold of us is not because we in our searching and in our Reading of religion and our exploration of Christianity came to the conclusion yes, I think Christianity is true, and therefore I will become a Christian and I will reach out and grab a hold of the hand of Christ. No, the reason that he has a hold of us is because he himself came down and took us. And yes, we may have taken his hand, but that was only after he first took our hand. Not that we love God, but that he first loved us. He first loved us. He first took a hold of us. And notice what he says. My father who is greater, who has given them to me. My father has given them to me. Now isn't that a glorious thought? We are the gift from the father to the son. Now, the son joyfully receives that gift. He joyfully receives that that gift. And do you think that he's ever going to let go of that gift? It's the gift from his father. Of course he's going to hold on to that gift. Of course he's going to hold on to you. Nothing can snatch us from his hand. And then he adds to this, And the father who is greater, no one can snatch us from his hand. Yes, we are firmly, we, we, our Lord has a hold of us. We are secure in his grip. But not only does the Son of God have a hold of us, we're told the Father also puts his hand on us. That is the security of your life in Christ, the security of your salvation in Christ. It is as secure as the Father and the Son. And that's why Jesus says, I and the Father are one. Now, there is a warning to us here. There are times where we doubt this. There are times where anxiety and despair sets in. There are times where the circumstances of life may cause us to doubt what our Lord declares and promises here. Or there are times where we start to listen to other voices and we wander and we stray. And I want you to consider this morning, if you find yourself at this time anxious, in despair... You need to evaluate why is that the case. Are you straying? Are you listening to other voices? And the sheep that wanders off, the sheep that wanders off from the flock, that wanders off from the good shepherd, maybe night falls. That sheep is afraid. That sheep is scared. The sheep doesn't have the security of the presence of the good shepherd. doesn't mean the good shepherd has, has overlooked that sheep. He knows exactly where that sheep is. But if that's you this morning, you don't, you don't know the, the, the blessing of the flock and you don't know the nearness of the shepherd because you're not following him. And when we go astray, then we lose the assurance of these promises that we have here. So if that's you this morning, you, you need to repent, you need to turn back. And you will find, as you turn back to your good shepherd, you will come to know the assurance of this promise. So those who are his sheep, those who believe, hear his voice. But those who are his sheep also believe his works. We believe his voice and we believe his works. And This brings us to verses 32 to 39. Now, the religious leaders respond by picking up stones to kill Jesus. But notice what he says. Verse 32. I have shown you many good works from the Father. For which of them are you going to stone me? And the Jews answered him, It is not for a good work that we are going to stone you, but for blasphemy. Because you, being man, make yourself God. Now, notice Jesus here points them to his works. Okay, you guys are about to stone me. What works Consider my works. But they say, No, no, not the works. It's because of what you said, blasphemy. So he does engage them on that, and he reminds them of what Scripture says. Jesus answered them, Is it not written in your law? I said, You are gods. If you called them gods to whom the word of God came, and Scripture cannot be broken, do you say of him whom the Father consecrated and sent into the world, You are blaspheming? Because I said, I am the Son of God? Now here Jesus is reminding them of what Psalm 82 says. and He says, doesn't Psalm 82 refer to those who were rulers and judges in Israel as God? Now commentators do debate what is the reference here. But most of the ancient sources and most commentators today see this as a reference to the rulers and the judges of Israel. And they are referred to as gods because they are those who are representing God in Israel. Those who administer the word and the law of God. Those to to whom the word of God came. And that's what Jesus has said. Now he's saying, if they were called gods in scripture, how can you be offended if I, and I'm the one who was consecrated by the Father and sent by the Father? And by the way, my works testify to this. How can you be offended and say I'm blaspheming when I say I am the Son of God. And then notice that Jesus then turns their attention back to my works. Look at my works. If I am doing the works of my father, then do not if I am not doing the works of my father, then do not believe me. But if I do them, even though you do not believe me, believe the works that you may know and understand that the father is in me and I am in the father. Again, they sought to arrest him, but he escaped from their hands notice what Jesus has said here. Believe my works. Yes, believe my word, but also believe my works. And we who are his sheep, believe his works. And he's saying to these religious leaders, believe my works, consider my works. I fed the multitude in the wilderness. Now who but God can feed the multitude in the wilderness? That's what God did for his people when he fed them with man in the wilderness. I just did that. These are the works of God that I'm doing. I healed the man who was lame for 38 years. I healed the man who was born blind. Now, as you read through the prophecy of Isaiah, and Isaiah of all the prophets most clearly and fully announces the coming of the Savior, the coming of the Messiah, the coming of the kingdom of God, the future restoration and renewal of all things. And at various moments in Isaiah's prophecy, chapter 29, chapter 35, chapter 42, the Lord makes a very specific promise that when the Savior comes, the lame will be healed and will leap for joy like a deer. And the blind will have their sight restored. And Jesus is saying, believe my works. I'm healing the lame. I'm healing the blind. And so for us, we who believe... In the Good Shepherd, we believe his works. We look to his works. We consider his works. And notice what he says here. If you believe my works, then you may know and understand that the Father is in me and I am in the Father. As we consider his works and as we believe his works, we come to a deeper knowledge and understanding of the Father and the Son. And so our Lord reminds us this morning that we need to be those who consider his works. Consider his works of creation. The whole creation around us is testifying to the Father and the Son. And remember what Jesus said. When you're anxious, consider the birds, consider the flowers. Your Heavenly Father provides for the birds. They don't have anything to worry about. They're fed. How much more valuable are you than birds? And I take our Lord's command there in Matthew 6 quite literally. When you're feeling anxious... Go outside and look at birds, and listen to birds, and look at flowers, and smell flowers. Do that. Be reminded. Look at how the Creator is providing for them. How much more valuable are you? You are the dearly loved sheep of the Good Shepherd, the gift of the Father to the Son. And then he says also... Consider the works of redemption and salvation. This is what he's saying to the religious leaders. Consider what I've been doing, feeding the multitude, healing the lame and the blind. And we see this particularly in the Psalms. The psalmists exhort us, consider the wondrous works of God, his works of redemption, his works of salvation. They are recorded for us in Scripture. Meditate on these things. Listen to Psalm 105. Seek the Lord and his strength. Seek his presence continually. Now surely at a time like this, this is what we're doing. We're seeking the Lord. We're seeking his strength. We're seeking his presence. But then the very next verse, Psalm 105, verse 5, tells us how we do that. Remember the wondrous works that he has done, his miracles, and the judgments he's uttered. And so again, that's why we are daily in the word because we are meditating on his wondrous works, his works of redemption and salvation. And as we meditate on those things and believe in those things, We come to know and understand the Father and the Son. And actually, we are given increasingly a a clearer vision of the work of the Father and the Son in our own time, in our own midst. And finally, in conclusion, I want to look to the final verses, verses 40 to 42. Because after this intense moment of confrontation, and remember, they're trying to arrest him, they're trying to stone him, he leaves, he slips away. Verse 40, he went away again across the Jordan to the place where John had been baptizing at first. And there he remained, and many came to him. And they said, John did no sign, but everything that John said about this man was true. And many believed in him there. Now, Jesus doesn't shy away from the, con- uh, the confrontation. He doesn't shy away from the hard place. And Jerusalem is a hard place. He went to the temple. He walked to the temple. He invited that controversy and that conflict. He didn't shy away from it. But as we read through the Gospels again and again, we're told that he frequently withdrew to desolate places. Time for prayer, time for rest. And here we see that he withdrew to the other side of the the Jordan, where, where John had been baptizing, where John had been ministering. Now, Jerusalem was a hard place. And our Lord does put us in hard places. But across the Jordan was a place where there was fertile soil for the word of God. Fertile soil for faith. And the reason that soil was fertile fertile is because it had been tilled and it had been watered by the ministry of John the Baptist. And so when Jesus went there, many came to him and they believed. Jerusalem was a place of unbelief, but there across the Jordan was a place of belief. And after the confrontation there in Jerusalem, Jesus went to this place where he could retreat, where he could retire. And a place where the soil was fertile and where faith grew. And we live in a time where our Lord has called us to the hard place. He's called us to the place of confrontation. We don't shy away from that. If we're those who follow him, we follow him to that hard place. We follow him to that place of confrontation. But our Lord also leads us to the place of rest. The place where the soil is fertile. And this place here, our gathering Sunday by Sunday, is such a place. This is the place where the the soil is spiritually fertile. This is a place where we hear his voice. This is a place where we know his presence with us. This is a place where we come and we repent of our sins. It's a place where we come and we hear again his promise that he gives us eternal life. It's a place where we know that we are, we are held fast in the grip of his hand. And so this is a place, in a sense, beyond the Jordan. It's a place where our faith comes and it, it's nourished and it grows. And Sunday by Sunday, we come to the Lord's table, and we'll come to the Lord's table now. And in coming to this table, we're reminded that our Good Shepherd prepares a table for us in the presence of our enemies, and we're aware of the presence of our enemies at a time like this. But even there, he prepares a table for us. And he anoints our head with oil. And our cup overflows. So let's come now to the Lord's table knowing that this, this is the place where we know his presence. This is the place where, he, where we hear his voice. This is the place where our faith and our life in Christ is nourished and grows.